Hello, and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm Sherry Hoyt, and I'm your host for today's interview with Kaylin McFerrin, author of Twisted Thread, the fourth release in her successful action-adventure romance series. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Kaylin. Kaylin McFerrin has received more than 40 National Literary Awards, in addition to a prestigious Golden Heart Award nomination for Flaherty's Crossing, a book she and her oldest daughter, Christina McMorris, co-authored in 2008. Prior to embarking on her writing journey and developing the popular Thread series, Kaylin poured her passion for creativity into her work as the director of a fine art gallery in the Pearl District in Portland, Oregon. She also served as a governor-appointed member of the Oregon Arts Commission. When she's not traveling or spoiling her pups and three grandsons, Kaylin enjoys giving back to her community through participation and support of various charitable and educational organizations in the Pacific Northwest. And she is currently the president of the Soulful Giving Foundation, a nonprofit foundation focused on cancer research, care, and treatment at hospitals throughout Oregon. For more information on Kaylin McFerrin and her books, visit her website at kaylinmcferrin.com. And that's www.kaylinmcferren.com. Hi, Kaylin. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Thank you for having me. To begin, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'm originally from California, where I grew up. My father was with the airlines, with United Airlines, for many years. Transferred up to Seattle, where I went to high school and college. Met my husband there. Got married, and we relocated to Oregon. So I've lived for probably the last, oh, my goodness, I want to say 40 years now. Mm. So for the most of my life now in, in Portland, Oregon area, and I love it here. Started writing when I was a teenager and didn't really get into writing novels until my children were all grown and gone, and I needed to find my identity. And so I got into writing thrillers and mysteries and interesting novels that are kind of inspirational romantic element type books. And then I started the Thread series, which is kind of a high-powered, twisted group of books that are all interrelated and lots of fun to read. So that's what I'm up to now. Well, congratulations on the release of your latest book, Twisted Threads. Thank you. What is this story about? Well, Twisted Threads actually was the culmination of all my books, kind of brought them together. It was a lot of fun because it's the fourth book but it really stands alone. It doesn't have to be read, you know, after all the other books. Mm-hmm. And what it's about is in book two, the book ended where there was a geisha who was forced to become an assassin because she failed at killing a Yakuza gang member, which is the boss of the organization, a criminal organization in Japan. And so his, her punishment was he turned her into an assassin to work for him. So it's where the book ended, and that's where I picked up this story. She has one more job to complete, and she has to go on a cruise ship to eliminate a person that he believes is responsible for killing his sister. And so on this ship, she ends up having to form relationships with different individuals in order to find out who the true murderer is. And it leads to a relationship with Devin Lyons, who is a character out of my first book. And he is a treasure seeker who ran into some problems in his life and he doesn't really trust women. And now he's hooking up with her. So it's, <laughs> it's it, yeah, he's, he's kind of jumping into it all. And so it's a lot of fun to see how their relationship develops. And so that's kind of why it's considered an erotic psychological thriller is because it delves into their relationship as well. 
I really like how it crosses into different genres. To me, that just makes the story more interesting because I feel like you never know what's going to happen. Yes, thank um, you. Twisted Threads has just been out for a few weeks, and it's already won an award. Tell us about that. Yes, it, I can't believe it. I was so excited when I got news. I had submitted it about, oh, I want to say the manuscript itself a couple months ago, and so I kind of forgot about it. Mm. And then they notified me that it won the Thriller Award for the New York City Big Book Awards, and so that was a wonderful surprise. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Very honored. Yeah. Thank you. I love that your story takes place on a cruise ship and makes stops on exotic islands and that your inspiration for the story came from your worldly travels with your husband. Uh, out of all the places you've seen, where's your favorite vacation spot and where would you most like to visit again? Oh, my gosh. I absolutely <laughs> love Japan, but my favorite place that I've been to is Barcelona. Oh. We went there um, two years ago, but I would go back in a heartbeat. I love the architecture. It's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. And the food is great. The wine, of course, is off the Richter scale, and I love wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the scenery is spectacular. I had the best time there, and I, I wouldn't hesitate to go back again. That sounds like a great place to go for inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear about some of the things that drive you, some of your passions. Uh, you currently serve as president for the Soulful Giving Foundation. What is the purpose of this organization? Okay, the Social Giving Foundation, my husband and I organized it about eight years ago, and it was a result of losing so many family members and friends to cancer. And we oh. felt that it would be very easy, and it sounds a little bit arrogant, but very easy for us to write a check and hand it over to different hospitals and such. And we felt it was more beneficial and rewarding to bring our whole community together to support our cause. So as a result, we formed this foundation, which we do one event a year. It's a very large music festival that has art and food and wine. And and we bring in about 16 restaurants. that They all donate the food, and they're the top restaurants in town, like Morton's, El Gacho, and different groups. And the wine is all donated from St. Michelle Wines, and the beer is donated by Widmere Beer. And we have these amazing bands. There's usually four to six bands that perform. And there's a ticket price of $50 to $100. The $100 ticket pays for everything. You show up and all the food and drinks, everything's free. $50 mm-hmm. is gets you in and we, you know, make sure that you get two free beverages. But you get to watch this whole event and 90 cents out of every dollar goes 100% to our cause. Mm-hmm. So we benefit Randall Children's Hospital and also Providence Cancer Research Center where we donate all of our money. It's a rewarding thing for us to do, but we get about 5,000 people coming every year, and it's hosted at our house. That's so, huge. Which is mind-boggling for people, but we live on 15 acres overlooking a river, and so we set it up. It takes two days to set it up with all the tents and everything, and it's just an amazing event that we do. That sounds amazing. And what does the funding provide for your local beneficiaries? So, well, an example for where um, the funds go. So when we do for Randall Children, because we split it between Randall Children's Hospital and Providence, so the money that goes to Randall's, like we assign every year specifically where it's going to be used. Mm. And so at Randall's, it's going to the Children's Cancer and Blood Disorder Program, and that addresses the physical and emotional well-being of children and families affected by cancer. 
the money that goes to the Providence Cancer Institute, we actually pay for the cost of a staff navigator that guides patients when they're diagnosed through the treatment process. And we also fund um, a kitchen, learning kitchen, where they learn how to dine and eat and so forth now that they're going through this treatment and how they can improve their eating habits to be more healthy and so forth. Mm. So, and also there's a portion of funding that we're going to be designating that goes to pay for a doctor to actually do research. So it runs you a certain figure every year to make sure that they are covered inside their facility to continue what they're doing. So it's incredible, you know, what we try to stand behind. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like as a board member, you're pretty active in the whole thing. Yeah, I actually serve on six other boards. So I'm I'm go, go, going all the time because I love working on educational boards and anything to do with the arts. And so I get busy that way. But this is my pride and joy because it's our own foundation. Yeah, that's wonderful. I don't know where you get the energy to write. (laughs) (laughs) In between everything. That's uh, that's kind of why we only do the event once a year. (laughs) It takes me time for everything else. Yeah, that's a good point. Talk about your annual family photo. Did I see one of your family photos on your Facebook page? Yeah, okay. It's become a tradition since my youngest daughter, I mean my oldest daughter, Christina, Uh she went to St. Mary's Academy here in Oregon, and they had a photography day where they brought the kids in and took pictures like they do at a lot of schools. And as a result of that, we met the photographer. And we decided it'd be fun to have him do our family pictures, so it became a tradition. But instead of doing traditional family pictures, we do themes. So Mm. it started out where we did this, my girls, I have three girls, and they sat together and we shot it at our home, and our house had kind of Asian themes, so we had Asian sliding shoji screens behind us. And the photographer says, it's like you have a little harem there. And it sparked an idea. So the next time we did family pictures, it was like a harem. And then we started doing where there were a motorcycle gang, and, and then it went to Star Trek, <laughs> and it went to all these things, Alice in Wonderland. And as my family grew, and I have you know son-in-laws now, and I have grandchildren, my pictures got bigger and bigger, and it was like part of the part of the requirement when you join my family is you have to agree to be part of the family picture. <laughs> and so this year we did Game of Thrones, and it is over the top fun. And so I will oh. be posting those pictures, so oh, you can a- see them on my website and such. Yeah, that's exciting, and it sounds like another event. It's not just a family photo. <laughs> it, exactly, it's quite a process to bring it all together. So we send these out as Christmas cards every year. And so we started out where there was uh, maybe 150 Christmas cards we'd create, and we got up to 350, and now we do about 500. And if people don't get them, they honestly email us or call us and want to know where their Christmas cards are. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that. Thank you. And I'm getting the feeling you are big on events, too. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love all the time. I love having lots of people around. Now, you come from a family of writers, is that right? Yes. Um, my great aunt was a writer and, you know, and, and grandparents and different people. My father was a great writer, but they write in their own styles and so forth. My father, mm-hmm. which is really interesting, actually fell in love with my mother through their letter writing. And, oh. you know, and so my oldest daughter actually wrote a book about it that was really, really interesting, became a good seller. 
And so I love the energy that goes into writing, and I think that's what spurs me along. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've been blessed with a lot of talent in our family. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. You seem to really enjoy keeping busy. What other exciting projects do you have on the horizon? Yeah, well, I love interior design. It's one Mm. of my biggest passions. And so I've been doing it for many years. I used to do Street of Dreams projects. And so I'm very excited because my husband has a wonderful Christmas present. I got early notice that he bought some amazing property at the coast in Oregon, which overlooks the bay. And so I'm very excited about the possibility, which has just been realized today, that I can actually build there. And we're going to do a log-style house, which I think is going to be really fun. Never tackled anything like this. And so it's going to be fun to do all the interior design on it, which is, I think, going to be a place that my family hangs out. We bring a lot of friends there all the time. So... That sounds amazing. So will the outside look like a log cabin? Yeah. There is a company I contacted in Oregon that actually builds. They build them and then they tear them apart. And then they come to your site and they bring cranes and they erect the whole exterior of it. And then your contractor comes in and does all the finishing work inside. So it makes the project go much faster, but it's going to end up having the log outside and it will have kind of a more smooth rustic inside so i'm doing kind of an urban zen thing so it's Mm. it'll be very different it's kind of one of those kind of buildings where you see the exposed lights kind of hanging down on rafters and that kind of thing you know and kind of comfy furniture first thrown over them things like that so i want to make a place where it's rustic and fun where we can enjoy the view and i don't worry about people making messes and things like that. <laughs> right. That sounds like fun. It sounds like you're so creative. I wish I had a tenth of that <laughs> oh, talent. No. I just think uh, I have a lot of time on my hands sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specialized in interviewing published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life experience as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcasts, as well as MP3 download from your computer for your convenience. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Kaylin McFerrin, author of Twisted Threads. Be sure to check out Twisted Threads and Kaylin's other books by visiting her website at kaylinmcfarren.com. I hear you have quite the fan club. Who are your favorite fans? Okay, my (laughs) favorite fans happen to be my puppy dogs. And one is Oreo and the other one's Lady. And Oreo was actually given to me as a Mother's Day present by my middle daughter. She showed up when we were in a restaurant, came in with a little cage, and gave me a six-week-old puppy 
as a present, and it was right after I lost a dog. And I made up my mind that I didn't want any more dogs because they break my heart when you lose them. And, yeah. and she brought this dog and felt I need him, and he is the cutest little thing. He, black and white spots all over him. He is actually a Maltese poodle mix. But he was kind of lonely on his own, so I rescued another dog named Lady, and she's a Lasso poodle mix. But they look identical. They look like they're twins or from the same litter. And they just follow me around everywhere. They're crazy. They have their own bed at the, you know, at the foot of our bed where they sleep. But somehow during the night they find a way to get up on our bed. <laughs> and they get their little place behind my knees and so forth. And in the morning, they're like an alarm clock goes off. It's 7 a.m. The lady comes up, and she hovers over me, and I can feel her breathing on my face. And she's waiting for me to get up and let them out. And they have doggy doors, so they can go in and out as they want. But they know if they go with me, they're going to get a doggy treat when they come back. And so it's become a routine. And when I go into my office to start writing in the morning, they follow me in here, and they go under my desk, and they keep me company all day. And so... Yeah, they're awesome. I love them. I love them, love them. <laughs> I know. Pets are awesome. They make such a difference in our lives. Tell me about your next writing project. Do you have another book planned? So, okay, this book just came out. I'm very excited. Can't wait for people to read it. But it is the last book in the Thread series. I want to let people know that because oh. I've had people already emailing me and going, oh, when are you, like, we love these characters. What's coming next after this? And and so I'm going to step away from the Thread series. That's why I wrote this book, to bring a lot of them together. Mm-hmm. And the next book I'm working on is going to be more of a sci-fi time travel book. Really? I'm already doing the layouts for it. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of new territory, huh? It is. I'm going a very different direction, so I'm very excited about that possibility. Yeah. I just got into your series, so I kind of I have to backtrack, but I didn't feel like I have to backtrack. I want to, you know. And oh, I think well, that's, thank you. Yeah, that was part of the beauty of it. That's why I loved it so much. So yeah, it's so interesting because I've had you know people that have read like jump series, you know, where they've gone to the third or fourth book, and mm-hmm. when they they get done, they go, oh gosh, now I want to go back and read the other books. Because they get interested and invested in certain characters. Yeah, that was my experience, totally. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great news for me. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. What can you tell us about your writing process? So basically, it sounds really crazy, but I dream up my stories. So I can be laying in bed, and all of a sudden an idea will come to me. And I start thinking, wow, that's a great you know, thing that I need to remember when I wake up. And so in the process of doing that, I've now kept a notebook next to my bed where I write notes because I know that when I get up and start taking showers, it's, it's going to drift away and then I'm going to wish that I'd written something down. Right. So they, I actually dream them, though, in a series. So then when I go to bed the next night, I'll start thinking about it again and I actually know where the book's going to end. It's really <laughs> crazy. But the bad part about that is you get kind of invested into a book and you're writing along and then I start dreaming about other stories and I can't write them fast enough. That's my problem. So I never run into where a lot of writers get blocks and such. My problem is there's just not enough time in the day to write as much as I want to. Wow. So, But my whole process is very different because I don't storyboard. A lot of Mm. authors will get, you know, they'll get foam core boards and they'll put sticky notes on them or they'll do different techniques for themselves that help them figure out how their story is going to progress and where, you know, where the story climaxes or the plot grows or how it ends. 
I do it all mentally. It sounds really crazy, but I also depend strongly on Pinterest. Mm. So if you ever want to know what I'm writing or what I'm involved with, all you have to do is go on my Pinterest page. Really? Yeah, under Kaylin McFerrin. I Mm -hmm. have a page there. I mean, literally, when you do Pinterest, it's kind of like scrapbooking. It's whatever your favorite subject is. And Mm -hmm. so when you first open mine, the first, like, five little boxes you're going to see are for different books. And when you touch on them, they open up, and they'll show you how I visualize what my characters look like and what they're doing and how the story's going to unfold. Because I'm a visual person, and so I typically will cut photographs out of magazines and so forth, and I'll go, okay, that's going to be Devin, and this is going to be Akira, and this is going to be this character. And Mm -hmm. I know their background and and how old they are and what their hobbies are, when their birthday is, everything about them I've already created. And so when I put them into a story, it's really easy to know how they're going to interact with other characters in the story. And so when you see my storyboards that are done on Pinterest, it will show you how I actually am going to write this book even before I write it. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing process. I like the visual aspect of it. You should do a class on that. It's very, I, nobody's ever done it. And it's really, yeah. Because I brought it up to a couple authors and they go, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> and I said, it's so easy because now with the internet, you can go anywhere and you can get stock photographs for free and all kinds of things. So I actually go, okay, I know my next story is going to be about time travel and an airplane going into another plane and being in a different place. And so I'm going to start putting ideas onto my board and saying, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be a new character and what she's going to look like and so forth. And so it's really a clever way of doing it so that you can go back and you can move around your, your board and so forth, but it will help you stay on track mm-hmm. so that you don't have a tendency to lose focus and go off and and your story goes in the wrong direction. It forces you to stay true to your story by doing it that way. It's really pretty remarkable technique. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And unlike an outline where, you know, I mean, sometimes your outline can be pages long. You're oh, yeah. Searching it's, through, yeah. you know, there's none of that. It's all right there visually. Exactly. A lot of people do synopsises, and it's so funny. I never write a synopsis. <laughs> when I first did my first two books, I did. And the thing is, I, when I got done, my synopsis could be anywhere from 20 to 30 pages. And I'd rather <laughs> put that energy into actually writing the book. Rather than talking about what it's going to be about. Yeah. So this is my way of doing a synopsis, but I do it visually instead of on paper. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) That's your artistic background. That's my art coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your publishing experience. Yeah. Okay. The way I started was I wanted to write a book many years ago when I lost my father. Part of it was I needed it for therapy because we had kind of a strained relationship. And mm-hmm. when he was dying, he asked me to come to his bedside, and we made amends. And But I felt like I had a lot of unresolved issues with him. And so I wrote this book called Flaherty's Crossing. Mm-hmm. And I got all the way through until I got to, like, the last chapter, and I could never finish this book. So I put it in a drawer, and I kind of, like, forgot about it for a while. And my oldest daughter contacted me, and she became a writer as well. And she said, Mom, whatever happened to that book? you were going to write. And I said, well, I have it, but 
I can't quite finish it. And she said, well, send it over to me. Let me take a look at it. And maybe I can do some tweaks and I can help you, encourage you to finish it and, you know, and do do it justice because it's to honor Papa. Mm-hmm. And so I said, sure, okay. So I sent it to her and she did some editing, gave me some suggestions, and then I was able to finish the book. And then I went to publish it after it won a whole bunch of awards. I submitted out just to see what kind of feedback and if the book warranted being published first. Mm-hmm. And then I went through the normal channel where I sent out letters and samples of my book and everything else to like 30 different publishing houses. And I got back the most beautiful rejection letters. They were handwritten, <laughs> you know, where a lot of people get them typewritten. Mine were all yeah. handwritten. Love this book. Couldn't believe it. I, I cried and was so moved by it. But I don't know what genre it is. Because mm. when I did it about 10 years ago, they didn't believe in mixing genres. Right. You were either a mystery writer or you're a suspense writer or you're a romance writer. And it's not till recently that they allowed you to mix genres like the book I wrote, which is, you know, erotic psychological thriller. It's like there's all these new categories now, so you can mix genres. But yeah. at the time, they didn't allow it. So they didn't know where, how to market it or where to put it on a bookshelf. And so I ran into that over and over again. Well, eventually, I had a smaller publisher contact me and said, that I would be interested in publishing it. So I went through that channel. But prior to that, I had got an agent, and my agent was incredible. Like, everybody wants the best agent. Mm -hmm. And I got this great, well-known agent in New York who was excited about sending my book out, felt that the book was actually her life. She said, this is my life, this happened to me. And so I was all excited about working with her. But what ended up happening was she herself got three rejections because of the same problem. Mm-hmm. And she, in turn, contacted me and said, you know what, let's get rid of this character. Let's turn it into a romance. Let's make it more about the husband and wife, you know, mm-hmm. getting together and all about their love and everything else. And forget, like, this father image that the book is based on. And as a result, I said, no. You know what, I think it's better if we just part ways because yeah. it's not what I want to do. I want to stay true to my voice. And so she ended up agreeing. We broke ways, and I went with a small press. And they were wonderful. They loved the book. They printed it, had no issue, but they didn't know how to market it. And Uh so what ended up happening is when you go with a smaller publisher, they don't have the funding to print a whole bunch of copies and inventory and everything else. It becomes almost a print-on-demand type situation. So I had the contacts to get into different bookstores and to get into big distribution. And I ran into the issue because they didn't have the funding to do that. So they backed away and didn't want me to do that. They wanted to focus on e-books only, which was fine because e-books became a huge thing. Right. At this time, a lot of people love paperbacks. They love holding the book in their hands. Smelling it, yeah. (laughs) yeah, Smelling it, feeling it. And so that's why I still do both. I still do paperback and ebook and I also do audio because it's an audience that likes different styles of books. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was a journey. And the reason I ended up going to self-publishing and forming my own publishing company is because I wanted more control. I wanted to feel that I could reach out and market as I wanted to and I could write whatever I felt and I could develop my own fan base. And so, yeah, yeah so it works for me. Well, good for you. Yeah, and you got to tell your story, not someone else's, you know. <laughs> exactly. I didn't yeah. want to fit into a mold, you know. I wanted right. to break the mold. 
And so I think that's what's really fun now is because the new authors that are coming out are, you know, they're really testing the limits and they're trying new things, and I think it's great. Yeah. It's refreshing not to read the same book over and over again by different <laughs> authors, you know? Because yeah. when you go to workshops, that's what you are trained is formula fiction, and I'm not mm. a formula fiction writer. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> that's a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing because, yeah. you know, I want to be different. That's an amazing story. Thank yeah. you. So, Kaylin, to wrap things up, I'm curious to know uh, what advice you would give to aspiring authors. Oh, gosh. My greatest thing is to read. Oh, read as much as you possibly can because you're going to learn from other people. You're going to learn techniques and, and how voice is developed. And also, I strongly encourage you to write what you're passionate about. Don't spend all your energy doing research because then you're writing what other people have written. Spend your time writing about what you really care about and the people you've met, how they talk and interact. And and it doesn't have to be an action-adventure story. It could be something as simple as a relationship mm-hmm. and some message that maybe you can share with other readers that you can teach them something. That's what the wonderful thing about writing is, is you can open people's eyes to new avenues and new worlds that they would never see if you didn't present it. Yeah. So you would subscribe to the theory of writing what you know and along those lines. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. write about what you know, what you really, really believe in. I think that's probably the best piece of advice. And just to be true to yourself, be true to your own voice. Don't have other people trying to change the way you think, you know, be an independent writer. You yeah. Know, that's what will make you stand out. Yeah. That's great advice. Kaylin, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you today. (laughs) (laughs) It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today at Inside Scoop Live for my interview with Kaylin McFerrin, author of Twisted Threads. Once again, you can learn more about Kaylin and her work at kaylinmcferrin.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.